Hello and welcome back to the Tricky Notes podcast. This is your host, Trick, and I am back to give you part two of the Madonna Diva Directory. Now, on the last episode, I covered the beginning of her career, um, you know, before her major la- record label de- debut, and then her first 10 years as a recording artist. And we're going to pick up uh, here, and this is right when um, at the tail end of the erotica era and we're gonna go and see where her career goes from here so after kind of the um, tepid commercial response for erotica Madonna kind of started working to kind of soften her image. Now it kind of started because rain was the last single from erotica and that definitely does not have the same kind of, you know, things with the rest of erotica. So people were already kind of primed and in 1994, uh, Madonna continued kind of that with releasing her next song, which was from a soundtrack. And, um, and it's from a song, a soundtrack that her new record label, uh, Maverick Records was asked to put together. Erotica was the first release off Maverick Records. I didn't get into that, but, um, but anyway, it was a song. It was a soundtrack album for the movie with honors and it had Joe Pesci and, uh, Brendan Fraser and, um, kind of a forgettable movie nowadays but it's but the soundtrack was interesting had some interesting stuff on it really kind of leaned more into kind of the alternative um the alternative pop scene more but it did have madonna's i'll remember on it and i'll remember is a absolutely great song once again i had a cassette sing had a lot of cassette singles and madonna stuff like I said, Madonna has always been one of my favorites. <laughs> so, um, and it actually was originally a, it was actually not a, an original Madonna comp- composition on this. It was actually written, originally written by Patrick Leonard, you know, longtime Madonna collaborator and Richard Page. Now, Richard Page is from Mis- the band, Mr. Mister. And so Patrick Leonard and Richard Page had written the song, but then, Madonna kind of rewrote the lyrics and Richard, Richard Page was on record saying that she changed the lyrics completely for the better. <laughs> so there you go. There you have it. So I'll remember to me, that's an essential song and, and definitely um, it's worth listening if you don't remember. So continuing into the um, kind of softening of her image, so to speak, and trying to kind of regain some of her um, her standing in the pop world, so to speak, um, Madonna released her next album, and her next album is was the album Bedtime Stories. Now, this was really her first project where she had a variety of producers. So a lot of the albums before she had kind of stuck with one to two producers, unless there's like an odd song here or there. Now on this one, she, she worked with 
you know, several <laughs> um, producers. And um, she enlisted Dallas Austin, who had uh, worked on the first Boys to Men album, had done um, uh, TL, had done production work for TLC. Uh, and then she pulled in um, Dave, Dave Hall, uh, which had produced Mariah Carey's Dream Lover. And um, also Mary J. Blige's What's the 411. Um, and then she co-wrote a, co-wrote a couple of songs with Babyface and uh, had him produce. And then also pulled in Nellie Hooper, who had produced for Soul to Soul, Massive Attack, and Bjork. So, so you can see three of the four producers there are fairly R&B produced producers and this album really had an R&B feel but throwing in Nellie Hooper who had you know those kind of um electronic you know soul to soul is kind of an R&B but you know Bjork and Massive Attack kind of were more on kind of the euro electronic scene um that she just was kind of uh pulled into so even though she produ- pulled in all these producers, she also still co-produced all the songs. And she also co-wrote all the songs except for one. And that song was Bedtime Story, which was actually written by Bjork. Because um, Madonna, you know, like I said, Nellie Hooper had worked with Bjork and Nellie Hooper asked Bjork if she wanted to write a song for Madonna. And there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Bedtime story, (laughs) which was worked from a kind of a, a uh, song that Bjork, like the main lyric, let's get unconscious. um, And, you know, and about the words don't mean anything. Those that came from, you know, kind of a discarded Bjork track that uh, appeared on, uh, one of the import singles I have. Um, but it's still, you know, one of those songs that's that's on there. This album is kind of a forgotten one in Madonna's discography, but it has some of her most iconic hits. Um, and definitely several of my favorites. So the first single released off this was Secret. And Secret was so different from what Madonna had released up to that point because it starts out with this like nice acoustic guitar and then kind of gets into this discussion. And, uh, you know, I talked about Secret on my first episode of, you know, feeling it's a song about faith and and I still feel that. And it's definitely a a song that really talks about that, you know, happiness lies in your own hands um and you know finding that spirituality and and finding that balance um which you know madonna would definitely do uh uh coming going forward this this album also includes madonna's biggest hit which people tend to not realize is her biggest hit because um this song contains a contains take a bow and madonna's take a bow 
was number one on the charts for seven weeks. That's the longest of any Madonna single, you know? So in that was one that she co-wrote with Babyface and he produced and sang background vocals on um, and, and all that. So um, this album also features human nature which has basically been a part of every Madonna concert since, uh, you know, and it's, and human nature really, while it wasn't a top 40 hit, um, well, maybe it barely hit the top 40, but, um, I mean, the, the chorus has cuss words in it. I mean, come on, what do you think is going to happen with a single? But human nature is really a, for lack of a better word, a fuck you to the industry. Um, and I'm sorry for the language, but that's really it. I mean, you know, the chorus is, I'm not your bitch, don't hang your shit on me. Well, once again, sorry for the language, but that's the song. And, you know, she says, I'm not sorry. And, you know, Oops, I didn't know I couldn't talk about sex. I mean, it's it's really a call out to the industry as a whole and and what the kind of the double standard of, you know, you know, rock bands can talk about sex and that kind of thing, you know, um, but she does it and, you know, she's kind of ostracized for it of course nowadays sex and music is is synonymous and it's it's much more common but back then you know she she kind of had a point and um you know and she she also addressed kind of the similar thing on the the first song on the album survival um you know just a little bit <laughs> a little bit softer not with any cuss words or anything like that <laughs> but it's you know, this album, this album really, to me, doesn't really have a dud track. It's really kind of smooth, really kind of flows. It's, to me, one of the um, kind of the, a hidden gem in her collection and her discography. Um, it's definitely an album that that isn't talked about enough, though. Last year, there was a campaign on Twitter to it was justice for bedtime stories and it everybody was buying bedtime stories on itunes to get it back up the charts and it actually <laughs> topped the charts again for a short period of time just randomly out of, out of the blue but you know this album like i said it's it's not as um talked about in her discography but it's definitely one that more people should and it's definitely one that's, like I said, it's a hidden gem. It's definitely not an album you think about Madonna, with, you know, with Madonna. And heck, you don't really think about Secret or Take a Bow as much when you talk about, you know, Madonna's hit songs. I mean, people are more likely to mention Human Nature than they are Secret or Take a Bow. And Secret and Take a Bow are bigger hits. So, you know, that's just how it is. Um, and 
so essential songs for me are Secret Human Nature and Take a Bow. Personal favorite is Bedtime Story. I don't think Bedtime Story is really an essential song. It's definitely an interesting song, um, but it's definitely, definitely a, a one. One other note about this album, and I'm pr- and I'm probably going to talk about this a little bit more in another another episode. But originally, Tupac was going to appear on this album, <laughs> but due to their uh, fling falling apart, um, the song that he was going to appear on, uh, his part ended up being rewritten and re-recorded by Michelle Endejo Cello. Um, who was signed to Maverick Records at the time, and who is a great artist, by the way. And um, if you're not familiar with her, she's definitely one to to look into. Um, but that's just an aside. I will talk more about that at, at some later date on kind of a lost uh, music episode that I have planned. So we're not. That's going to be kind of a hint for the future. So after the success of Bedtime Stories, Madonna was at kind of at a spot in her career in 1995 where she was um, kind of at a musical crossroads in a way. But she was also lobbying for a film role at the time. And I'll kind of get into that in a little bit. But part of lobbying for that film role, she was working to really soften her image and, but also show that she can sing. Now she's not a Whitney Houston. She's not a Mariah Carey. She never has attempted to be. She is just a, a solid singer. She's not, you know, she won't make your top vocalist of all time lists, but she's good. And to highlight that, the next release she did was a new compilation. And this compilation was all ballads. And it's called Something to Remember. Now, Something to Remember was a ballad from I'm Breathless, which is a personal favorite of mine. Um, I think it's a really great song that um, talks about how a a man came into their life, changed it for the better, um, and moved on. Um, really a great song. And the album contains um, a lot of her hit out hit ballads and also ballads from uh, different uh, album tracks. But it really was just kind of a reminder of she's more than just dance music. Because a lot of people just saw her as a dance artist at that time. And, you know, she talks about in the, in the liner liner notes that, you know, she kind of just wanted to get back to the basics. She just wanted people to see the music for what it was. Madonna also recorded three new songs for the compilation. Um, Two were brand new co-writes and then the other one was a cover song. So the cover song was 
um, a cover of a Marvin Gaye song called I Want You. And it was done in collaboration with Massive Attack. And of course, this was uh, produced by Nellie Hooper. Madonna actually didn't have any production on that particular song. Um, so that one was actually a full production by Nellie Hooper. But this the song was initially um, for a Marvin Gaye tribute album, but also appeared on... Um, on something to remember it appeared in two forms it appeared in the original massive attack version which included all the electronic beats and um kind of the full massive attack <laughs> experience and then but it also included as a last track on the compilation an orchestral version which took out all of the all those um electronic beats and just focused on the the strings and the voice the other two new songs were both co-writes with david foster and um and also co-productions with david foster and david foster you know obviously has a um you know a, a storied history working with a lot of different divas over the years, you know, Celine Dion, um, Whitney Houston, uh, Mariah Carey, etc. And, you know, David Foster really spoke super highly of Madonna. Um, I'm actually going to read the quote because I just, David Foster about working with Madonna. She had an amazing work ethic. She was on time every day and was really co-producing the songs with me. A lot of artists want to produce just because they can, and they can't do a thing for that credit, which I really hate. But Madonna worked as hard as any producer I know. I liked the whole experience of working with her, the punctuality, the professionalism, and the sexiness. And that's kind of high praise coming from someone with, with such a storied um, history as David Foster. Um you know, he, you know, it's really, I mean, those two songs are, are good. And one was a top 10 hit, uh, with you'll see, um, just a great song. And the other one was a kind of an acoustic driven ballad, acoustic guitar driven ballad, uh, called one more chance. Um, that's, you know, it's a good song. Um, like I said, not really groundbreaking, but it is definitely a, a great song. This compilation also includes, um, includes, like I said, many of her, her hit ballads. Um, it includes I'll Remember from the With Honor soundtrack. It includes This Used to Be My Playground, which wasn't available on a Madonna album previously. Um, includes Something to Remember, uh, Rain, Oh, Father also includes Love Don't Live Here Anymore, but not the original version. Instead, it has a remix version. I'm not a f much a fan of the remix version that's on this release. I do like the remix version that was on the single, uh, the Soul Power remix. Um, but unfortunately, that is not what's what's on the compilation. It was only on the single, so... Um, once again, 
Didn't have the cassette single on this one. I had the CD single. <laughs> but something to remember is a good compilation. And and if you want, if you really want a kind of a no frills uh, look at Madonna's voice and what she can do with it, this is the compilation to actually look at. Um, I definitely would would um, if people want to tell me that Madonna is really not a singer. This is one of those albums that I'd say, you know, listen to this. Um, I, you know, yes, she's not a Mariah Carey or Whitney Houston or an Adele or a Celine, but she's a good singer. She just, it's just, she's, you know, if her voice was on a country album, you wouldn't think any, you'd think that she was a good singer. That's just, that's just how it is. I mentioned that Madonna was really working to soften her image because she was really trying for a film role. And that film role that she was working to get was Evita. Now, Evita, if you're not familiar, was a Broadway musical from the 70s. Um, started as a concept album, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Tim Rice, uh, converted to the stage. Originally starred Patti Lapone, one of the great Broadway voices, you know. Um, but Madonna really, really wanted this role. And she lobbied hard for it. She, you know, did everything she said. She said, this is, this is my story. And she ended up winning. She ended up convincing um, the, both the director and Andrew Lloyd Webber to, to go with it that um now i mean madonna just couldn't jump into the role she had to go through some serious vocal training um but madonna talks about it as being one of the best experiences for her and best choices for her because it really opened up parts of her voice that she had not used before and and you know it really kind of shows with how she would sing in concerts later. Um, but it's, it's really, you know, let me just be frank. A lot of my gay friends who are Broadway thing, people hate this movie, hate the soundtrack. I like it. But then again, I am not a Broadway buff. I do like, pieces of it but this patty lapone love her i think she's a fantastic performer um she 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 definitely does not have anything nice to say about madonna and this and the role at all um but patty lapone is set for the stage this is a film it's different and i think madonna did a good job and I think that it, um, it worked. Um, there was a new song written for the movie, uh, by Andrew Lee Weber and Tim Rice. Um, considering that they had a huge falling out, they them writing the song together after that many years, that was definitely a feat. Uh, and it ended up winning an Oscar second song that Madonna had sung in a movie that won an Oscar, even if she didn't write it, <laughs> but still, uh, pretty impressive. Um, and you, you must love me was a 
you know, minor hit on the charts. It's an okay ballad. It's, eh. It's, it fits the show. It's not really a song to be taken by itself. Now, there was a top 10 hit from this album, though, and that was when Madonna took a, released a dance mix version of Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, uh, both in English and Spanglish, <laughs> which was, you know, where she's saying, Spanglish means she was saying part of it in Spanish and part of it in English. Um, you know, and it's fun. It's campy. It's it's drag. It's gay. It's what it's meant to be. The Evita soundtrack is definitely one of those that is hit or miss for most people. I like it. I it fits. If it's what it, it what it was meant to do, um, you know, Madonna won a Golden Globe for the the role. Um, you know, she. It's good. It's it's definitely not a go-to Madonna album by any means. Um, once again, it's not her material. She's just singing it. But she does a she does a serviceable job. She does an okay job. It's not top of the line, but I like it. I enjoy it. And um, that's what I have to say about that. So during the f- filming of Evita, Madonna learned that she was pregnant. Now, I know I mentioned that I would not really talk about her kind of personal life too much unless it influenced the music. And Madonna becoming a mother had a huge impact on her music going forward, especially the next album. And in addition to her becoming a new mother, she was also kind of disenchanted with the Catholic Church. Um, She had long been a very open and um, outspoken Catholic throughout the most of her career. And, but that disenchantment with the church um, really started to come across. So Madonna was very open to um, exploring new spiritualities, especially when her friend Sandra Bernhardt introduced her to Kabbalah. I'm not going to get into really talking about Kabbalah. I'm just going to say that it is a kind of a mystical reading of the Torah. So it's kind of a, a, for lack of a better word, kind of a, a mystical uh, form of Judaism. Um, I know a lot more about Kabbalah. I really don't want to get in, get too deeply into it in the podcast because it doesn't really pertain. The only reason I bring up, bring it up because it also had an influence on Madonna's music and how she um, kind of looked at things. And what happened was magic. And the album that came out of that was Ray of Light. Now, Ray of Light is the album in Madonna's discography where her commercial appeal and her critical appeal met. So, and not only did they both meet, but she was really being treated more respectfully and with more 
dignity and more, um, you know, people actually saw her as an artist instead of just a pop singer at this point, you know, even though like a prayer was a, a work of art at that point, people did still did not see Madonna as an artist. They saw her as a pop singer with Ray of light. They saw her as an artist and it, you know, it was a really smart move for Madonna. It really, um, and it really just is a great album period. And I, I don't know how else to say it. It's just a really good out. Al- it's a really great album. You know, uh, Rolling Stones released their 500 greatest albums of all time list. And it's been on every one, um, all three of them. And, you know, like very similar to like a prayer ray of light is also an album that many artists will talk about as being very influential to them. You know, it's, it's just a great piece of work and, you know, Madonna really bears herself in a lot of ways, but not in a way any, how can I put it? It's, not in ways that were as dark as they were before. So the, the, um, she's exposing herself, but she's exposing herself in a vulnerable fashion and a vulnerable fashion that is more empowering than therapy. If that makes any sense, you know, um, you look at, you look at, for example, you look at, um, you, you look at old father from like a, like a prayer that's, you know, really her coming to, to, to terms with her relationship with her father. And in comparison, you look at, um, you know, the first song off this album, which is, um, uh, drowned world substitute for love. And it's, I mean, the lyrics, the album as a whole, the first, word she says i traded fame for love without a second thought it all became a silly game some things cannot be bought i got exactly what i asked for wanted it so badly i mean she's talking about she's she's laying herself bare on what she has given up for fame and what she's done but now that she's kind of grown up she's kind of changed her mind and she's kind of looking at things from a different perspective. And it's, it's really a, a statement album in a lot of ways. Um, now I remember <laughs> very, very vividly um, where I was <laughs> when I first heard the first single from this album and it came out right around my birthday in late February of 1998. Okay. And the song was frozen. And this, the song, you know, it just, oh, it's just, it's just one of those songs. It's like, to it, mm, (laughs) once again, I'm kind of at a loss for words. It's, it's just, pop perfection it's another one of those pop perfection songs kind of like i talked about rain but this one is 
you know, it has that coldness of the strings, but then you add the, her vocal, and then you have these beats that William Orbit layered on. So you, it, it is such a, an amazing song and how it all comes together. And, you know, in really kind of talking, you know, about, you know, breaking through the walls of a lover, you know, um, if I could melt your heart, we'd never be apart. Uh, it's just, it's just such a, such a great song. And, and, you know, this, this album has a lot of great songs on it. There's not really many that are, that are really kind of, um, I mean, it's very listenable start to finish. I mean, there's, there's a couple of songs on here that, you know, I probably wouldn't have in like my, you know, definitely wouldn't be top tier Madonna. Um, and, you know, some of that is related to kind of her, uh, mysticism at the time, like Shanti Ashtangi, um, which is basically, you know, her chanting over, <laughs> over beats <laughs> and kind of a, um, kind of a, you know, kind of a Hindi, uh, inspired chant. And also I was never really a fan of candy perfume girl. Um, it's just one of those songs that just kind of there. I know a lot, you know, I remember a lot of people, um, one of my, one of my exes, he loved that song and that was maybe that kind of played into my feelings on it. I don't know, but, (laughs) um, but you know, it has so many great songs. I mean, of course it has, you know, frozen, like I mentioned, it has ray of light, which is just a, a driving great song. It has that drowned world substitute for love. Um, you know, nothing really matters. The power of goodbye. Um, you know, and I, I used, I used to really, really love skin too. I mean, the only song that I really kind of skip most of the time is Murgirl. And it's the last song on the album because it's basically Madonna, um, narrating a nightmare. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, it's kind of, um, it's a little dark, but it's kind of her also kind of dealing with that, that loss of her mother, you know, which she's mentioned many times throughout uh, her career in different fashions. So, but this album, this album is a top tier Madonna album for sure. Um, you know, like I said, if, if most critics say this is her best album, I disagree. I think it's like a prayer, but it does have a case to be, be her best album. It just doesn't win it for me. <laughs> so this song, um, this album, you know, the essential songs obviously are frozen, um, ray of light, uh, power of goodbye. And I, you know, personally I have a soft spot for nothing really matters. Um, and I, you know, so that's, that's ray of light. That's where we are. So now we are in 1999 and I'm going to kind of mention one of Madonna's side projects here because I just think it's noteworthy. And, um, and that is where she wrote a song with William Orbit for, 
Ricky Martin <laughs> and then appeared on Ricky Martin's first English language album. The one that had live in La Vida Loca and, um, Shaker Bon Bon, you know, <laughs> and, um, on that album, Madonna and William Morton wrote a song and then it was, and then Madonna recorded it as a duet with Ricky Martin. This is a song called be careful. Also has a Spanish subtitle, which I'm not going to murder. Um, but it's, it's a really good song to look up. Just a quick aside. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's worth a, worth a listen just to check it out. And also in 1999, Madonna recorded another soundtrack single, another co-write with William Morbitt. They had a really good working relationship at this point. And it was a song called Beautiful Stranger for the Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me movie. Now, this song, it's really kind of 60s inspired, kind of really fluff. <laughs> it's it's just fun. It's silly. It's, it's inessential, but it is a personal favorite, and I, I enjoy it. And... Um, and you know, it always brings a smile to my face. And then after Beautiful Stranger, um, Madonna recorded two new songs. Well, correction. She wrote a, wrote a new song and she did a cover for a another soundtrack. And this soundtrack was for the film that she starred in um, called The Next Best Thing. Now, the soundtrack was very interesting. Madonna really kind of curated a very eclectic uh, bunch of music for this, you know, having, um, you know, groups like Olive and singers like Beth Orton and even Christina Aguilera. <laughs> and then, you know, Madonna had two songs. Now, uh, one of the songs is a song she wrote with William Morbitt called uh, Time Stood Still really do like that song um it's a nice ballad but the other song uh, uh words kind of fail to me on this one but she did a cover of american pie now american pie by don mclean is really kind of considered one of those classic songs but it is definitely a very very long song with a lot of words <laughs> but uh yeah it's you know definitely i mean it, the song is almost nine minutes long and the song is really about the you know it talks about the day the music died and that really was the um the you know fact that um you know, the, the plain death of Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper. And um, it's, you know, it's a good song. It's a classic. It's, you know, one of those that's, that's always there. But Madonna <laughs> did a cover of it. And, you know, she cut out most of the verses. And... You know, it's it's okay, and you know, I mean, it's it's very inessential. Um, 
you know, I understand why a lot of people are not a big fan of it. <laughs> um, you know, the song, the her cover just got overall negative reviews pretty much around, you know, over, you know, the, the just period. And I get it. And like I said, it's, it's fluff, but it's not fun fluff. If that makes any sense. It, I don't know. It's really, it was to me that this is kind of Madonna's first big misstep to me as far as musically. Like I said, it's not bad. It's just not good, if that makes any sense. It's just blah. It's, you know, it's just okay. Um, you know, it's just kind of where it was. Now, I mean, it did have some okay, um, you know, remixes to it. But um, like I said, it's it's really, really really inessential. So at this point in Madonna's career, it's the year 2000. And um, once again, Madonna is pregnant and this time with um, what will be her son Rocco with um, her uh, soon to be husband guy, director Guy Ritchie. And, you know, so, Madonna kind of slipped out of the limelight for a while and kind of focused on, on, you know, her music and, but she, you know, really wanted to keep working with, with William Orbit, but, um, she kind of wanted to get a different sound added in, you know, the pop landscape of, you know, 2000, especially for women, you know, was really driven by young pop divas like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera and, you know, Madonna really didn't have a spot with her current, you know, with what she was doing. So she was looking for something to really make her stand out. And through this, she came across uh, a French DJ named Mirways. And Mirways had a very unique sound of a very, um, he liked to do a lot of pitch shifting and a lot of um false stops and kind of breaks and just very different sound of you know what he you know what he brought to the table and and through this you know collaboration you know she was still working with william morgan but you know bringing in mere ways for some different um stuff um you know, she eventually developed um, what became music. And I'm not just talking music as in music. I'm talking music, the album. That's what's the name of the album and the name of the first single. Um, music was a really successful singer, there, a single when it was released. There really wasn't anything sounding like it on the radio at the time. It really um, was a a unique sound that really stuck out and, you know, as a lead singer, it really broke through and brought Madonna back onto the pop charts and, and, you know, actually, you know, headed to the, you know, top of the charts. 
Um, at the time, she also, in addition to Mirways and William Moore, but she also brought in a DJ um, named Sasha um, from the UK that she worked with as well on some of the songs. Now, music is an album. It it's kind. It is it is kind of an extension of Ray of Light in some ways, but in other ways, it's more just kind of Madonna just playing with sound and playing with genre and playing playing around um the lyrics on most of the songs are not as deep <laughs> as they were on ray of light for sure this one is more a much more an album that is um focused on fun in a way in some of the songs um but she also really um hits on uh there's a couple songs she wrote to you know her you know, her partner at the time, um, Guy Ritchie, you know, a um, couple songs uh, written for him. And, uh, you know, and it, I mean, music's a good album. I mean, I really loved it at the time. And it, and it does have some really, really great songs on it. You know, in addition to the music, it has Don't Tell Me, which has a, kind of a um more of a kind of i don't really want to say country feel but um i mean it feels country because she wore a cowboy hat in the music video <laughs> but but it's it's just you know it's it's a definitely a different song and it was you know it was and it's just it's just good and and you sometimes get those things it's like you know it's what is there to say other than it's it's good and but it's a good album, but it's not necessarily a great album, if that makes any sense. Because there are, I mean, where I, when it first came out, I listened to this album constantly. I really, you know, was really, really into it. But as time has gone on, this isn't one that I revisit as often as some of her other albums. Um there's some songs to me that just haven't held up, especially like paradise. Not for me. That's, you know, not really one that's stuck with me. Um, but when it hits, it hits. I mean, it ha definitely has more hits and misses, um, you know, other than music and don't tell me I really love amazing. I really like, um, runaway lover. Um, and I like Gone. And I like the album version of what it feels like for a girl. And I said the album version for a very specific reason, because um, the video for that song did not feature the album version. And um, so as such, not as many people remember the album version uh, for, you know, um, but. And, you know, what it feels like for a girl is probably the most. um message driven song on the album and has the has the most to say on the album you know but ray of light had a very specific um point of view music really is kind of all over the place and the u.s version didn't have america didn't have american pie on it the the um but it was put on the album 
you know, in other territories um, as a part of that. And also the, uh, as far as like the vinyl version that was released um, in the U.S., it, it did have American Pie on it, and, but Madonna didn't want American Pie on the album. It really doesn't fit. And, you know, and yeah, it's, it, it doesn't fit the album at all, but it doesn't, neither here nor there. So, um, but, you know, music's a good album. It did, it did well, so, you know, uh, critically it did well, um, you know, as far as album sales and as far as singles go, um, you know, especially the, those first two, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good album. Essential songs definitely are music and don't tell me. Um, and I, and I have a, I have a, um, soft spot for, uh, 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 where, where, where my notes go? <laughs> and I have a soft spot for amazing. Um, and that's, that's a personal favorite. Um, so that's that's music. So after music came, you know, came out and the cycle worked its way through, um, the next project that Madonna released was another greatest hits compilation. Uh, this is the fourth compilation that she's re- she's officially released, and the second considered to be a greatest hits compilation. Uh, something to remember is a ballads compilation, so it's different. And you can dance is the you know uh, remix kind of compilation. But the new greatest hits comp- compilation is called GHV two, which means greatest hits volume two. And here's the deal: immaculate collection is essential it's must it's a fantastic compilation you want a good sampling of all you know madonna's early stuff um from you know her you know first albums you cannot go wrong with the immaculate collection ghv2 on the other hand it's a big no honestly it's just a big no um not only did they leave a lot of songs off this compilation also almost all the songs on the compilations are edits they're either shortened versions radio edits they're um they're censored versions like with uh human nature literally um you know completely redid the chorus on that uh you know, the big hit version of Don't Cry For Me Argentina, which was the dance hit, the, you know, the dance remix, that's the one that was played on the radio. That's not the version that's on this collection. You know, it's it's just not a good collection. There's no new songs on this either. You know, the Immaculate Collection, you at least had two new songs, even, you know, if, even if you had all the other al- albums and all the other releases, you still got it because you wanted those two uh, two new songs. This has nothing new to it, and all the songs are are edits and not good edits, in my opinion. So, Grace's Volume Two is a big avoid in 
in what what is out there. So in 2002, Madonna was in kind of a weird place musically. Now, um, you know, she was in the middle of songwriting um, for her next album. And, you know, like most of America and Americans, she was also kind of still reeling from the September 11th attack and being you know, in, were introspective. And then she was also, um, working, you know, uh, on a, on a movie, but then also starring in a West End play. So she had a lot going on in her life and she was approached by, um, MGM to, to do the next theme song for a James Bond film. Now, you know, one of the um, hallmarks of the James Bond film franchise is every movie has this, you know, big theme song um, going back, you know, decades, you know. And, you know, there's been some really huge hits, um, you know, Bond themes over the years. I mean, you have, you know, Live and Let Die, you have... Uh, a view to a kill, um, you, you know, uh, you've got Goldfinger. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, you have these like iconic James Bond themes over the years, um, and, you know, and you have some that are also kind of maybe not as um, memorable. And what had happened over the last pre- the few previous Bond films prior to this is they had Cheryl Crow do one, um, which was uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. And, eh, I mean, hers is okay. I I think there's another um, song on the, on the soundtrack, on the original soundtrack that was done by Katie Lang that I thought would have been better, um, that ended up being retitled Surrender. And I think that would have been the better <laughs> James Bond thing for that movie. Kind of getting off subject. And then they had garbage do the world is not enough. Now I love garbage as I've talked about on this podcast many times and the world is not enough was a, a song that I really, really loved, but it didn't really take the radio by surprise. It wasn't a huge hit. And MGM was at a point where they wanted a huge Bond theme hit again. Um, They really hadn't had one in a number of years. So, you know, especially, you know, with the reboot with the Pierce Brosnan Bond, I mean, the first one Tina Turner did, and it was a moderate hit. And then, you know, like I said, Sheryl Crow and then Garbage. And here was another Bond film with Pierce Brosnan. And, you know, it just... They, they wanted a hit and they called Madonna because she's had success with soundtracks and, you know, she had just, you know, this is just a couple years after having a, you know, hit with beautiful stranger that she wrote for the, you know, Austin, <laughs> Austin Powers by Shagme 
film, which was basically a James Bond parody. <laughs> and so they asked her to do that, uh, to do. And, you know, Hermie Mirways had already written a number of songs for the next project. So they, they found one that kind of fit and they submitted them to them. Okay. This is the idea that we're going for. And then they reworked it and the song, you know, ended up being die another day. Now die another day was kind of divisive when it came out because it didn't really fit the standard James Bond formula for a theme song. Because typically in the past, the James Bond themes had been very string driven and, you know, and also having, you know, a lot of times having, you know, brass stings and that kind of thing. Um, and this was a very different uh, take on a, on a James Bond thing. And um, I like it. And it was a hit. I mean, it was, it was, you know, uh, it reached the top 10 in the U S and, you know, it was actually the top selling dance song for both uh, 2002 and 2003, which that's pretty impressive over two years. I mean, cause it came out in October and it was the biggest selling <laughs> single of 2002 from October to the end of the year. And then the biggest one of 2003, as far as a dance single went. So that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, but you know, it's, it's a good song. It's, it's definitely one of those, um, top tier James Bond themes for me. Um, even if it didn't for others, uh, it's not my favorite James Bond theme. I think that'd be a few to a kill. Um, but it is definitely, definitely up there and it's definitely a, a great one. Um, and afterwards, you know, Madonna ended up putting this on her next album too. So, so yeah, there's that. And I guess that will do it for today. That is another 10 years of Madonna's career. <laughs> and starting next, uh, the next uh, episode on this, we will, we will pick up Madonna's career in 2003. And I've got a lot to say, which is on the, that album. So that's kind of why we're going to stop here. Because <laughs> uh, the next album is actually her post 9-11 album. And those are those are kind of fun so um so yeah so i hope you've enjoyed uh, me kind of talking about madonna's music and and you know this this section of her career it definitely had some great moments and some great pieces to it and uh we'll we'll pick up um when we come back in with the next session so um thanks again for listening um please rate and review, share the podcast around and um, until the next time, much love. Mm-hmm.